put it up there this morning, and I'm like, where's my apple and tape? It wasn't there. Bless you this morning for worshiping. The last song, Your Holy Presence Living Within Me. Now think about that a little bit this morning of Almighty God, Father God, wanting a place to dwell. And he says, I'll live within you. The Holy Spirit living within us. And the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being like a dove. And a dove will only fly and land where it's safe. If it's not safe, you won't see a dove sitting there. And I think that's exactly how it is with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come into your life if it's safe. If it's not safe, it'll leave again. And uh, so I, I love that song, your, the Holy Spirit, your holy presence living with si in, inside of each one of us. And so I, it's amazing to come together with a group of people like this, knowing that each one of you uh, are bringing that within. Uh, we are temples of uh, the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Cameron. Uh, yes, that new song you led last week and you led it this week again. Just the thing of God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. It's beautiful. So many things in our lives, we don't understand what he's doing at the moment, but we know what he's already done. But we know also that he has won the victory. So we're fighting a battle that he's already won. And as long as we're here on earth, we're going to be, it's a reality for us. Um, and so uh, it also says, I, I know how the story ends. I do. I honestly, and I think you do as well. For Christians, we know how the story's going to end. And uh, so bless you on your journey. Maybe you're walking through a difficult, uh, something difficult right now. Maybe this week was uh, a high mountain. Maybe you're down in the valley. No matter where you're at, I want to encourage you this morning, uh, knowing that uh, with Jesus Christ, we know how the story's going to end. All right, a few announcements. We're going to do several of the announcements now and the offering. We're going to pass the offering. Oh, and I see Daniel Stolzus isn't here. Daniel Heisey, can you do that for us this morning? Uh, our offering is for the building fund. So we will pass the offering now. We have several announcements, and then we'll uh, keep moving with the service as well. So let's have a word of prayer uh, before we lift the offering. Father, this morning, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. And Lord, for the humbling reality that you as a holy God choose to put your Holy Spirit within us. Thank you for your holy presence within us. And Lord, we just want to praise you and bless you and honor you this morning. Thank you for each person that's here. Father, what a blessing and an honor it is to, to be in this room with each person that's here. And Father, thank you for your presence. And I pray that as we go through this service, you would minister to our hearts and we would truly draw closer to you. Thanks for your promise. As we draw closer to you, you will draw closer to us. And I pray that that would happen this morning, not just this morning, but as we go from here, just this continuation of us drawing closer to you. Lord, thank you for this building. We have a building to be in this morning. We have heat. It's dry. We have chairs to sit on. And Lord, thank you for that blessing. And I pray as we give toward the building from this morning, a blessing on the gift and the giver. 
Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the offerings for the building fund. Uh, several announcements uh, coming up. Did you get much feedback for February, for workday, February 18th? Zero. Uh, okay, because... <laughs> Okay, but I know for me, it's uh, Isaiah has that basketball tournament, and I don't know how many other people that affects. Uh, but February 18th, Ernie was hoping to have a work project over at Abbeville of demolition. And so if that works for you, make sure you contact Ernie, and you, you're going to put it out on WhatsApp. So please reply to that. Uh, the more help, the better. So uh, that's coming up February 18th. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. Uh, February 26th, Sunday evening, is the game night coming up. Um, I had posted uh, a link on, on the Facebook page. Did, could you open that, that Google Docs? Did, any, did you get that? Keith did? Cameron, Sylvia, okay, you saw it. Okay, um, but there's a Google Docs on there that with questions that you need to fill out. So fill them out and hit the submit button, and then Dave uh, will get it. Don't ask me why, uh, but I did look over the questions, and it's very interesting. I think uh, we're, we're in for a good night. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about that? Okay. <laughs> All right, because it's going to be a Bible trivia night, and so he says read the Bible, and uh, you should be fine. All right. Uh, if you did not get that Google Docs or if you can't open it, you let me know. Uh, I'll either email it to you or get it to you, but we do want that completed. Is there a deadline or is it just before that night they show up? Earlier than the night before. Okay. Before Saturday night. The Friday before. Okay. All right. So make sure you get that and fill, uh, fill it out. It's electronic and there's a submit button in the bottom. Uh, before uh, February 24. Oh, okay. Awesome. All right. The more responses, the better. All right. You got it? Any questions about that? Yes. Do you have a time? S the start time. Yeah, let's go 6 o'clock. All right, 6 o'clock, we'll do it Sunday evening, February 26th, uh, Bible Trivia Game Night uh, here. Next week is Fellowship Meal, next Sunday, so uh, that's coming up. Any other announcements that we have? Dave, did you have any announcements on the volleyball tournament at all? Are you, how about sponsors? Are you covered with sponsors or you still need Okay, that's April 1st, right? April 1st, for those of you that aren't aware of it, uh, April 1st, yes. Oh, yes. Thank you. 
next Sunday evening. Uh, did everyone see that that invitation that Ernest and Yvonne have uh, for an open house at their where they just moved to uh, next Sunday from four to seven? Everyone got that? All right. Did you put the address in there? I remember seeing it, but I don't remember if the specific address was in. Okay, well, you should maybe just post that. Uh, if they're like me, I'll remember it, but after church when you ask me, I'll forget. So uh, he'll post the, the address with that. That's next Sunday uh, that we can go and visit uh, Ernest and Yvonne's place. All right, does that take care of the announcements? All right, how about birthdays? Any birthdays coming up this week? No birthdays this week. Wow, that's okay. Maybe there'll be some next week uh, or the next week. Really? Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. So Yvonne's father's birthday is today. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you, Ernest. Any other announcements? So our theme this quarter is what? Someone tell me. Draw near to God. All right. So we're talking about drawing near to God uh, this semester, and he will draw near to you. Last week, Ernest talked about uh, the three things that it means to be a Christian. If you remember, he talked about a choice, a change, and a challenge is what was talked about uh, last Sunday. The previous Sunday, um, Seth had talked about uh, the importance of family. Today, we're going to talk about, I want two things that I want you to leave with this morning. That is this, moving the line and counting the cost. That's what I'm going to want you to remember here uh, this morning. So, tonight... This is a big deal for some people, some people not as big of a deal, but there's a football game, right? And it's the Super Bowl. And they have been preparing for the Super Bowl for a long time. The teams have been preparing at least for the last two weeks since they knew they were going to be in the Super Bowl. But even outside of that, there's a lot of preparation going into the game tonight. The teams are, they're both drawing up strategic plays to try to win. They're trying to find weaknesses in the opponent's team that they can win. So they're learning, they're studying, they're practicing. None of them are planning, are, are drawing up a plan to lose. I'm sure none of the coaches are writing up a play. You know what? We're going to write up a play that, we co that completely fails. Like when we run this play, it's just going to fail. They're not doing that. They're going to draw up plays so that they can win. And I have never met anyone yet, and I don't think I will in my lifetime, that their goal is to fail. 
If you ask them, hey, what is one of your goals in life? You know what? I just really would love my life to fail. I want to end up in a train crash. I want to just have everything wrecked when I'm done with my life. My goal is, uh, my goal is to be bankrupt. I'm going to do whatever I can to be bankrupt. That's my goal. Or, yeah, I got married 10 years ago. Here's my wedding date. But my goal with my marriage isn't to fall apart. That's my goal. Or I want my children just to completely disrespect me. I just, I, that, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to, no, that doesn't happen. People don't plan to fail. But also, many of us don't plan not to fail. And so that's what we're going to talk about uh, some here uh, this morning. How about the story of Lot? Is Lot any of your, okay, you, have, you probably have some heroes in the Bible, right? Some people that you kind of look up to, Abraham, Moses, Paul. How about Lot? Does Lot fall into any of your category that he's my hero? I want to end up like Lot. Nobody. That doesn't surprise me because you, that's not your goal. Yeah, Lot started out with, the Bible says, lots of herds, flocks, cattle, it says in Genesis, I think it's Genesis 13. Uh, then he moved to Sodom, and he lost all his possessions. He lost his wife. He lost everything except his two daughters. We don't plan to fail. But oftentimes, we don't plan not to fail as well. Uh, the other week, we had, uh, we had a board meeting uh, down at Chet and Lena Stolzers, and me and Seth carpooled out there, and we got out there. We were a little bit late. It was partly my fault. I just wasn't, I don't know, wasn't too much in a hurry. But so we got there late, and everyone else was there. It was dark. And so the driveway was full in the front, and so we parked down around the b back of the barn. And we, we walk, we get out of the truck, and we're walking in, and around the corner of the house comes this massive big dog. I don't know what kind it is. Do you know what kind it is? I don't know, but I'm not, is it this tall? It's big, okay? So me and Seth are walking in in the dark, and around this house comes this big dog running at us right at us and I was walking in and I said bite him first I mean knowing you know he's gonna taste better than I am um, after we got in I was told that that wasn't a very pastor th pastor like thing to do so I guess next time I have to just jump it jump in and but this dog came running at us and for a little bit, I'm like, ooh, wait a second. I, I was scared for a little bit because I didn't know what this thing was going to do. This thing was, was, was really big. Uh, but we made it into the house. We didn't get bit. It didn't even nip us. But for a little bit there, it did give me uh, a little bit of fear. When this big dog came uh, running right towards us. Now, if someone would have warned me about it, 
it would have been a little different story. I had no idea that this big dog was there. But if someone would have told me before I got there and said, hey, Dale, just FYI, when you get there, they have a big dog. And it's going to come running at you when you get there. What would have I done different? I'm not sure, other than I would have been mentally prepared and as I was walking in, been aware, all right, somewhere there's a dog here that it's going to come. If someone would have warned me, but nobody warned me. But this morning, I want to warn you. That as a Christian, Satan is coming for you. And he wants to destroy you. And I'm giving you a warning this morning where I look at some scriptures that talk about it. This is real. Let's not be scared. Let's not be unprepared. Because Satan's out there. And he's going to come. 1 Peter 5.8. Peter, uh, in chapter 5 says this. He's, he's finishing up uh, chapter 5. Uh, he starts out the chapter with, with shepherding the flock and talking about the elders not being lord over them, uh, humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. Verse 8, he comes in and he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, Walking about like a roaring lion, he's seeking whom he may devour. Warning is what he's saying, okay? There's a big dog out there. There's an enemy out there, and he's going to come after you. Be aware. 1 Peter 16, 13. I'm sorry, 1 Peter 16, 13. 1 Corinthians. 1 Peter doesn't have that many chapters. Did you guys even think about that when I said it? I didn't. That was an accident. But 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Here Paul is finishing up the chapter, his first part. And verse 13, he says, this is his final exhortations. And he says in verse 13, watch. Watch, he says. Stand fast in the faith. Warning. Be aware. You need to stand fast in your faith. The importance of watching, the importance of being prepared. Matthew 26, 41. We're going to read one more. This is Jesus. In Matthew 26, verse 41. Jesus is, actually I'm going to jump into verse 36. And Jesus came with them to the garden called Gethsemane. He said, sit here while I go and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said, what could you not watch with me one hour? Verse 41, he says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Now notice he didn't just say, pray that you enter not into temptation. 
Praying is part of it. But before that, he says, watch, be aware, be alert, keep your eyes open, watch and pray. You combine those two things that you don't enter into temptation. There's an enemy out there. There's a big dog out there. And it's coming for you. Be aware. Watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. Be on your guard. I look at these verses and I say, be on your guard. Heads up. Right? Maybe that's a better word to use uh, right now. Heads up. Something may be coming. Something's out there. We're not as strong as what we think we are, I think, when it comes to temptations. Sometimes we think we're really strong, and I really wonder sometimes if we're as strong as what we really think we are. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, there's actually a sobering warning in regards to that. Where Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, Wait a second. No, no, I just read that. I looked at my notes wrong. 1 Corinthians 10. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, a couple chapters earlier. Paul says this. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Now, that's sobering. What he's saying there is you're not as strong as you think. Beware. When you think you're able to stand, take heed unless you fall. Okay, heads up. Warning. Be careful. If you think you're doing good, beware. You know, we think we can, we can uh, get close to sin, hang around sin, Maybe be with a lot of people that are involved in sin and yet not sin. We think we're strong enough for that. No, 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 be careful. I don't think we're as strong when it comes to temptation as we're not as strong as what we think we ought to be or as we think we are. So what do we do about this? I brought some tape along this morning. And I want to make a line up here on the floor. I know some of you won't be able to see it, but you're going to get the illustration, I think. Um, so we will make a line right across here. All right, so there we have a line. On the one side of the line is sin. It's dangerous. The ungodly stuff is on that side of the line. On this side of the line are things that are right, godly, good, okay? So we have a line. The one side is sin, the other side is right. Now, what do we typically do when there's a line? If you know... This is the limit. This is the edge. What do you no typically do? And don't be the holier than thou in this situation because I think probably all of us get up, bow to the line, about as close as we can before we go over the line. 
We may keep getting closer. I'm, I'm on the line. I'm not over the line yet. But we, we tend to get close to the line, right up to the edge of the line. And we see how close we can get, maybe how far over the edge we can go without anything happening to us. Now, we know that if we cross the line, there's probably some consequences. Like sometimes when I was uh, in Choice Books, moved down to Georgia and uh, did a lot of driving in Atlanta. And when I moved down there, uh, they told me that uh, your driving, some of your driving habits may change driving in Atlanta. And they did because Atlanta drives very aggressively, which as a 19-year-old boy, I was all in. Uh, I, I, it didn't take me long to become an ag aggressive driver, right? You got to pedal and you just go a little faster and you, you drive aggressively, you drive fast. Atlanta has these things called speed limits, right? And so the speed limit, I know what the speed limit is, but I'm driving and I just keep pushing the line a little further. And the one morning, uh, it was... 3 o'clock in the morning. I had a 5 o'clock store, so I was early in the, leaving early, and I was driving pretty fast. I was actually over the line, actually quite a bit over the line. And what happens? Yep, soon I get stopped, get pulled over. And uh, what a great testimony, right? There's choice books all over your van and choice books on my shirt, and uh, this guy pulls me off for going quite a bit over the speed limit. I, I crossed the line. Now, the thing is, to me, he came up and he looked at my license and said, you know what, Dale? He said, I'm out here looking for drunks. He said, slow down a little bit. Yes. So I put up my window and carefully drive out again. I crossed the line, but there was no consequence other than several minutes of my time and got to meet an officer that day. So I crossed the line, but very little consequence. There was another time, uh, this was in my choice book days as well, I was driving home, driving through Virginia, coming up 81, same thing, there was a speed limit, I knew the speed limit, but I just, I crossed the line and I was going over the speed limit. And when you know, same thing, I get stopped again. Now this time the consequence was a little bit different. I got this ticket and I had this fine I needed to pay because I crossed the line. So I had a consequence. It still wasn't major, but there was a consequence. There was something I needed to do to pay. It was a little bit more of a consequence than the other time uh, in Atlanta. Now, the speed limit is probably something where I'm guessing a lot of us really push that line, right? Maybe you go over, but it just happens a lot, you know? Now, what would happen if your car would be programmed, car or truck, whatever you drive, it would be programmed as soon as you go over the speed limit, it's going to blow up and burn, boom, burn and you have 1% chance of survival. 
would you cross the line? No, I wouldn't either. Trust me, I would stay well below the line, knowing that I'm not going to get close to that speed limit because of the consequence that I know is going to happen. The greater the consequence, the further I'm going to stay away from this line. About two weeks ago, me and Jen were driving in from Pittsburgh, and I knew on driving out, when we got out to Pittsburgh, that I'm getting low on gas. But, oh, we'll get it on the way in. Uh, then Saturday afternoon, we were driving home. You know, forgot about it until all of a sudden, bling, a light comes up in my dash. The low gas light. 50 miles till empty. Well, we're on the turnpike. And there's not gas stations every two miles on the turnpike. And so I didn't want to get off an exit. So Jen gets out her phone and finds out when the next travel plaza is. Well, the next travel plaza was 30 miles. My, the, my screen was saying I have 50 miles. So uh, I remember telling Jen, well, I hope my screen is right because we're going to go for it. I'm not going to get on an exit. We're going to try to drive these 30 miles and make it to the next gas station. So I was pushing the line. But the consequence wasn't going to be too severe, right? I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to run out of gas. It's not raining. It's not snowing. It wasn't negative temperature, so it's not like we'd be out there freezing. We would have ran out of gas, had to call someone, and they would have came and helped us get some gas. So there was a consequence, but it wasn't real severe. But we were pushing the line. Now, we did make it to the travel plaza. But running out, but driving low on gas wasn't just the huge, didn't have a whole lot of consequence for me. Now, you put me in an airplane and we start running low on gas, let me tell you, it's a different story. If I'm in an airplane and the pilot would come on and say, hey, you know what, my gas light came on. It says I can go 100 miles yet. And there's an airport about 90 miles. I think we can make it. We're going to try to make it. Would you feel safe at pushing that line? No. Why not? Because the consequence is so much greater. The greater the consequence. Man, that guy, hey, yo, you find this airport closer than that. Even if you have to turn around, you get me on the, air, on the ground and get some gas in this airplane because of the consequence. So I step back when I know the consequence, the, the, the greater the consequence, the further uh, we stay from the line. So this is the line. Remember I said on this side of the line is sin. Let me tell you this morning, sin is dangerous. Sin is costly. Sin has horrible consequences. It will bring on shame. It will bring on guilt. It will bring on fear. It will bring on destruction. But yet so many people are living their life on the edge of this line. So I'm going to ask you this morning, where are you living your life? Knowing that sin is on the other side of the line.
and the consequences are severe. How close do you stay to that line? There's far too many people living right on the edge of that line. So what do you do about it? You make another line back here. Oops, if it's going to stick to the floor. Throw it on the floor. If you know the consequences out there are severe, you're going to just make a line back here further so you're safer. You make another line. That's step number one that we want to talk about this morning is to move your line. Learn, learn where you're vulnerable. Learn what your weaknesses are. Learn where Satan is, is really going to come and tempt you. And then move that line back here so you have more distance. Maybe, maybe one of the things, and just for, for illustration's sake, maybe you're on this line, and let's just talk about social media, right? You spend hours on social media, but you know it's not healthy for you. For what all you do. So what are you going to just, okay, let's put some hours out there. You spend three hours a day is spent on social media average. And you know that social, this social media, the content that you're reading is harmful. So what you're going to do, you're going to move the line and say, you know what? I'm going to knock that down to only 30 minutes per day. Instead of three hours per day, I'm going to move my line, and it's only going to be 15 minutes per day. You're moving the line. You're, you're getting away from what can be destructive, and you're moving yourself uh, further from it. Or gossip can be another one. You're right on the line. You love gossip. You hang out with people that gossip. So what do you do? You're going to move the line and say, you know what? I'm not going to say anything to anyone that is not true. If I don't know if it's not true, then I'm not going to say it. You're moving the line. Pornography can be another one. We know this is a big one right now. You can be right here. You want to move the line? You get a blocker. You get accountability. You get some people to, to check up on you. You move your line back further. Uh, how about unhealthy computer blockups? This is one that I deal with quite a bit on my computer, uh, for sure at work. Even email, boom, this pop-up will pop up down on my screen. It's lots of pop-ups. A lot of the time it's, you know, some kind of Harbor Freight tools or someone like that that wants to, you know, wants me to look, click on it. But occasionally it's something that isn't the best. That if I would click on it, it's an unhealthy website, possibly. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to move my line that as soon as I see a pop-up, I'm going to click that X button ASAP. I'm just moving my line back. 
I'm not even going to entertain the possibility for me to go there. I'm moving my line, and I'm saying as soon as there's a pop-up, boom, I'm out of it. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, Paul says this. He says, abstain from all appearance of evil. He knows where the line is, but he's moving the line, even the appearance of evil. Abstain from that. So number one, move the line. Number two, count the cost. We, I mentioned it earlier. Sin is extremely expensive. Sin will cost you more than what you want to pay. Sin is going to take you further than where you want to go. Anytime you give in to temptation, there's always a cost. Always. Every time. I've witnessed many people, well-respected people, people that build up a lifelong of integrity. They have a good reputation. And they're living their life right on the edge. And they make a choice, and in two minutes, it destroys their reputation and their life. That's what happens when you live on the edge of the line. They lose it. They get tempted. They're so close to the line, they cross the line. And what it took years to build up, they lose. I've seen that. Far too often. One minute of sin can you ruin, ruin years of trust. It can ruin years of reputation. It can cause shame. It can cause hurt, pain. Is it worth it? I want us to count the cost, okay? That's step number two here this morning. Count the cost. Is sin really worth it? Living on the edge, giving in to temptation, is it worth it? You need to count the cost. And I'll tell you here this morning, it's not worth it. There is no sin that is worth it. It will cost you something. We talked about reputation. We talked about years of trust. We have lots of marriages here today. We have families here today. Living close to this line and giving in to temptation can cost you your family, can cost you your marriage, can cost you your reputation. My question to you this morning is, is it worth it? We need to count the cost of how much it's going to cost if you cross this line. And it's not worth it, let me tell you this morning. It's not worth it. 
Eve. We talked about Eve, what, three weeks ago, I think. And uh, we know the story of Eve. But Eve was in a, the Garden of Eden, this perfect place. Eve had a good life. It couldn't have been better. God created Adam and then her, put them in this beautiful garden to take care of. Uh, their, their relationship between Eve and God was perfect. It was beautiful. Things could have, I don't think things could have been any better uh, for Eve. She had everything she wanted. Things were pure. Things were right. And there were some fruit trees around there. And the Bible doesn't say what fruit this was. But I brought an apple. We're going to say it was an apple tree. And so in the middle of the garden, we know the story. There's a tree, and I'm going to call it an apple tree, that is full of apples. Amidst all the other fruit. Now, she doesn't need this tree, but it's there. And Satan comes in the middle of everything that she has. And she, the Bible says, Satan tempts her for an apple. Okay, I'm using an apple. It says fruit, but I'm just using this for an apple. It may have been an apple. At that point, Eve is living at the line right here. Because she knows she's not allowed to cross this line. But yet Satan comes and says, hey, Eve. Check out that really nice apple tree and look at those apples. Just look at them. Don't they look really good? And so this apple is hanging over here on the other side of the line, dangling. Just an apple. But to her, oh, all her focus is on is on the apple. One small apple. Oh, you know what? That apple looks really good. So I'm just going to go and take that apple. One small apple. Nobody notices, supposedly. Sometimes we tell ourselves that nobody notices. The apple tree is still full of apples. She just picked off one out of the hundreds of apples on the tree. One little apple. And she takes it and she eats it and then she gives some to Adam. And we know what happened. How much did it cost Eve to pick this apple? A lot. That picking apple cost Eve, kicked her out of the garden, brought shame, brought guilt, hindered her relationship with God. One little apple. We need to count the cost. Is one apple worth it? Destroying what you have. If Eve would have counted the cost, I don't think she would have picked the apple. I may be wrong, but I think I'm probably right. If she would have known how much it's going to cost her just to pick off this one apple, she would have probably said, you know what, I'm not going to do it. Or if Eve would have been made her line back here, 
and said, you know what? From the get-go, when Satan came and said, hey, check out that apple, she would have crossed it out in her computer mind. She would have got, that, got her mouse and clicked the X right away. Boom. Don't even come here, Satan. Don't even tempt me. I'm not going to go there. That could have happened, but it didn't. That apple was an expensive apple for her. Be aware, Satan's coming for you. Warning. You're going to be tempted. Two things I want you to get this morning. Move the line and count the cost. I want you to say that. Say it, repeat it after me so we make sure we get it. Number one, move the line. Number two, count the cost, yeah. Because apples are very expensive and we need to move our line from things that are destructive. Um, and sin is very destructive. All right, we're going to keep moving. Thank you for your time. We're going to get into Sunday school. Do you want to run with it as with the whole group mailing? Or where are you at with it? Okay. All right, I think... Uh, I had a little conversation with Malin for Sunday school. Since we have such a big group, to try to split up into small groups, we're still going to have big groups. Uh, and so uh, the adults, we're all going to stay in one group here this morning. So children, you can be dismissed to your classes. Uh, and for you visitors, uh, 12 and under, if they want to go. Um, Isaiah, do you want to help take, they may want to go uh, out to your class. The 7 to 12-year-olds are outside and then the up to six-year-olds are, are in here.